Okay, so today we are talking about Season 8, Episode 13, called Everybody Hates Hitler. And we're together again! In case you didn't listen to the last episode. Yeah, we are in each other's presence. That's glorious. It's been 84 years! (laughs) It's been a long damn time. It's Mm -hmm. been since July, I think. Probably. I'm pretty sure, because, like, I think... It's November. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I know. Uh, wow, that's a lot of it's a lot of zooms. Oh my god! <laughs> and Zoom does not love us. No, <laughs> it's better now. It's better now, but it would probably be even better if we picked the like paid plan. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Are we gonna do that? Nope. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, so we start out on a country road. It's night. Uh, a person rides a motorcycle with a sidecar along the road. Awesome little vehicle there. Yeah. The screen says, I'm going to butcher this. <laughs> Vitsiabik, Belarus. Belarus? Belarus. Okay. Belarus. I don't know how to say that city. V- Vitsiabisk, maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, that sounds better than what I said. I don't know. <laughs> I'm making shit up as I go. Okay, it's 1944. So we cut to a Nazi camp, which is the last place. Anybody wants to be. Yes. Um, The soldier riding the motorcycle parks outside a large house with a Nazi banner. He approaches a sentry who is standing outside a smaller building. The soldier raises his arm in salute and says, Hail Hitler. Heil Hitler? Heil? Heil Hitler? I don't know. Mm. You know, this is something that I obviously know. I, I really, know. Like, I'm sure I know it, but also I kind of don't want to know it. It's also something that I haven't probably said maybe ever. Yeah, also, so. like, we've heard it said, you know. Yeah. I mean, hey, if you've ever watched The Sound of Music, folks, it's in there. Yeah. Heil, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. My German's not so good. Um, the sentry says, you're late. The soldier says, don't blame me. It was the shoemaker's daughter. (laughs) The sentry has... Those shoes. (laughs) (laughs) They're just too much. (laughs) The sentry hands the soldier a pass and says, lucky bastard. (laughs) The soldier walks past the sentry and into the camp. The sentry says, get the clap. (laughs) Not very friendly. Nope. (laughs) God. Like, I thought you were supposed to like each other. Exactly. (laughs) So the sentry tries to light a cigarette, but his lighter won't light. Heavy footsteps approach, and a shadow falls over the sentry who looks up. The cigarette falls from his mouth, and he screams. So inside the building, um, in the camp, a soldier looks out a window when he hears the sentry scream. He steps back in alarm as the sentry crashes through the window. The soldier checks the sentry's body, but the sentry is dead. The soldier sounds an alarm as heavy footsteps can be heard approaching. We cut to another room in the camp. A Nazi officer pours blood from a jar into a large bowl. He looks up when he hears the screaming. A soldier writing in a ledger, um, we'll call him soldier number two, (laughs) (laughs) and a radio operator also look up, and the radio operator removes his headset. Soldier number two continues to write. Another soldier... We'll call him soldier number three. 
because I don't think any of these guys have names. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, he slides a table in front of the door. Soldier number two closes the ledger and hands it to soldier number three. The radio operator says, the thing won't go down. It broke through the lines at the east gate. Soldier number three carries the ledger into an adjoining, uh, well-appointed room where the Nazi officer is standing behind a desk. He puts the ledger into a briefcase on a small table near the desk. Screaming and gunfire can be heard from outside the building. The radio operator says, Commandant, it tore Richter in half. (laughs) What a name, Richter. (laughs) It's seismic. That's probably the worst joke I've ever made in my life. If your name is Richter, we are so sorry. Okay. Uh, it's a perfectly fine name. It's a perfectly fine name. It just reminds me of the Richter scale. That's really what it is. <laughs> okay, so soldier number three says, my God, what is it? The Nazi officer uh, says, it is coming to kill you, soldier. I suggest you ready your weapon. All of you, destroy it or die. A soldier says, um, three soldiers. Oh, no, that's not right. A soldier <laughs> says, knock over the table. And then three soldiers tip a table onto its side and stand behind it in a line, pointing their guns at the door. The Nazi officer adds ingredients to the blood in the bowl. He says, damn you, sorcerers of Abraham. The soldiers look at each other as heavy footsteps approach. The Nazi officer lights a match and picks up a candle. The radio operator takes off his headset. Which is super important information. I'm glad I wrote that. (laughs) (laughs) The Nazi officer um, speaks in Latin. He says, cloaking flame, I ignite you. (laughs) I bid thee combust. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The soldiers fire as someone breaks in the door. Uh, A huge ass man enters and the radio operator shoots at him with his handgun yeah he's a big one. yeah this very large man lifts the radio operator out of his chair uh, the nazi officer lets wax from a candle drip into the bowl as the radio operator screams the nazi officer uh speaks in latin again he says the fire born from blood leaves behind no man we hear the sound of bones breaking yuck <laughs> Blood runs down the radio operator's body, which we see only from his shoulders down. The Nazi officer adds another ingredient to the bowl. I like that he's just, like, baking. I know, just like, do 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 The Nazi officer, um, in Latin again, says, now vanish me into the night. A German soldier yells, shoot him! And the three soldiers fire at the very large man as he approaches them. Uh, The very large man's body is riddled with bullets, but he is unaffected. He grabs one of the soldiers, and there's a sound of breaking bones. Ouch. The Nazi officer lights a match from the candle. He says in Latin, O fire of power and concealment. One of the soldiers falls to the ground, and again we hear the sound of breaking bones. Um, Nobody's faring very well. Although, here's the thing. Are we really sad that a bunch of Nazis are biting (laughs) biting it? We're not. (laughs) Not really. We're totally fine with it. Break break those bones. But, like, why? You know, know, like, not that, like, why are you killing them? But, like, I guess, why are you killing them? Like, they should be dead. But what's your purpose? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What started this? (laughs) The Nazi officer says, tell your masters this thing is far from over. 
As the very large man approaches him, the Nazi officer throws the lit match into the bowl and flames erupt. The very large man knocks the briefcase off the small table, and the officer disappears as the flame engulfs the desk and the briefcase. And we get our opening title sequence. So we cut to the Impala. Hey! <laughs> Yay, no more Nazis. <laughs> it's For now. Da- yeah. <laughs> it's daytime. Uh, the Impala pulls up outside of a bunker. The screen says that we are in Lebanon, Kansas. So Sam and Dean get out of the Impala and walk towards the entrance of the bunker. Uh, It appears to be a two-story building above ground level. Dean says, when's the last time someone was in this place? Sam says, 65, 70 years ago? 84 years. (laughs) (laughs) I need to get over this whole Titanic thing. (laughs) I don't think so. I like it. So Dean opens the box that Henry gave him and takes out the key inside. Sam and Dean walk down a short flight of stairs to the door. Uh, They enter and shine their flashlights over a railing at the level below them, uh, revealing 1950s-style communications equipment. Dean says, son of a bitch. Sam says, call me impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Sam says, look at this. Ham radio, telegraph, switchboard. This was their nerve center. Dean says, Henry did say that they run dispatch on their own team of hunters. He shines his flashlight on a table containing a chessboard, an ashtray, there's glasses, and a dirty cup of coffee. He says, wow, halfway through their coffee and a game of chess. Looks like whoever was manning the hub left quick. Sam says, on the alarm call that ended the men of letters. Dean opens a switch box on the wall and pushes a lever. Uh, The lights come on. He pushes another lever. And Sam says, son of a bitch. (laughs) Which Sam doesn't often say. He's like, oh. (laughs) So Dean joins Sam downstairs and they walk to the doorway of a large uh, large room furnished with bookshelves, polished wooden floors, and large wooden tables. Um, Dean says, Sammy, I think we found the bat cave. He's very excited too. Yeah. So we cut to the morning. Uh, Dean walks into the Batcave room wearing a gray bathrobe and slippers. Books are spread over the tables, and Sam is leaning over reading from two of them. Dean says, morning. He can't even, like, he's double fist in the books. He can't even contain himself. He's like, let's go. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Dean says, morning. Sam says, morning. Dean says, the uh, water pressure in the letter's shower room is marvelous. <laughs> Sam says, yeah, I still can't figure out how we even have water or electricity. And then he walks to the shelves to get another book. Dean says, yep, well, I am putting that under the ain't broke column. <laughs> Listen, little brother, let's not go all geek on this stuff, okay? Sam says, geek? <laughs> Dean <laughs> says, yeah, yeah, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. And he lists a, I can't say this word. I've never said it before. A scimitar? Scimitar? I don't know. Yeah. It's a sword that I'm saying wrong. Um, <laughs> it's a sword. <laughs> it's a type of sword. Um, he lifts it from a display stand. Um, Dean says, this stuff is awesome. And it looks like they ran a real tight outfit here. But I'm just saying, you know, don't, uh, don't think that they knew some big secrets that we don't know. Dean strikes some poses with the blade while Sam's back is to him. As Sam turns, Dean quickly straightens up. He's like, what? I didn't do it. (laughs) Sam says, Dean, they were a secret society. 
Dean says, which means that they made crap up and wore fezes and sashes and swung around scimitars, whatever that word is. <laughs> we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah. He says, they probably didn't even sharp. Dean runs his finger along the blade and cuts himself. And he says, that's very sharp. <laughs> like, uh, I lied. And he places the sword back on the stand. Sam says, Dean, look, I think we might have something here. Something that could help us. Help humanity. Henry certainly thought so. I mean, you know damn well we could use a break. What if we finally got one? And they look at each other for a moment. And then Dean looks away. Sam says, are you going to take off the dead guy robe? <laughs> He's like, no, I am not. <laughs> I have no plans of ever doing so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so we cut to a college campus. The screen says we are in Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania. We're inside a library. An old man wearing a black hat walks up to a library counter where a librarian is hanging out. The librarian says, well, well, it's so late. I didn't expect you in at all. The old man says, three times I had to transfer the bus lines to lose him today. The librarian says, right, your sinister friend. <laughs> the old man says, you don't believe me. I'm being followed. No one ever does. So, yes, I would like to see, uh, and he reads from a notebook. He says, manuscript, manuscript FD113 from the Holtzinger estate. The librarian says, oh my, you're going to catalog that whole collection for us, aren't you? He's like, that is the point. Yes. <laughs> the old man says, if I have to. So we cut to a few minutes later, a woman wearing white gloves puts a large box labeled FD113 down on a table in front of the old man. He says, thank you. And then the old man puts on white gloves and opens the box. Inside is a red ledger. He runs his fingers down the first entries, then flips quickly through more pages before sitting back in his chair. He says, okay, I don't know how to say this word, so. Gotten you? Got you, basically, I think, okay. <laughs> is what the, he's going for. Okay, like, well. I figured you out. <laughs> he says a word. He, he says I got you, I think. <laughs> okay. I could be wrong, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that's what it I is. I mean, that's what it sounds like, yeah. <laughs> Um, the old man puts the red ledger down on the library counter in front of the librarian and says, this book, we need to protect it. This thing they put on me, he's too close. I can't take this ledger with me. The librarian says, of course you can't. It's part of the special reference section where it will be perfectly safe. Like, yes, you are not allowed to take that. Yep. <laughs> that is library property. <laughs> the old man says, oh, I still have 10 minutes, Yes. The librarian says, eight minutes before all materials must be returned to the main desk. The old man smiles and speaks in Yiddish. He says, I hope they pay you good to keep that bug up your ass. <laughs> I like this old man. <laughs> I like him too. We cut to a short time later. The old man leaves the library and looks around. A man is watching him from a distance. Um, the old man goes into a campus pub and makes a call on a payphone in the back. A man in a suit watches them through the pub windows. The old man reaches a voicemail. Uh, it says, leave a message after the tone. The old man on the phone says, now listen to me carefully. I got no time left. I found it. I found it. When you, when you follow me here, you, you're going to need this number here. Q. And then we cut to outside where the man in the suit watches. Um, back inside the pub, the old man slowly hangs up the phone. He walks towards the windows. As students watch, he smiles and calls out to the man in a suit outside. The old man says, why so shy? Come in. 
Come in out of the cold. You'll have a cup of coffee with your old enemy, you Nazi piece of rubbish. <laughs> like, this guy sounded full-on insane in the middle of college town. Yep. Like, somebody's had a few too many already. <laughs> the old man then, sadly, begins to sizzle, <laughs> and smoke rises from his body. Students gasp in alarm. The old man yells, You Nazi pig! And his skin burns, and then he's engulfed in flames. Students scream and run away. Outside the pub, the man in a suit watches the fire and then turns to leave. So we cut to two weeks later. Uh, We're inside the bunker. It's daytime. Dean enters carrying a duffel bag. He calls out to Sam as he walks toward the Batcave room, which I think is just the library. I think it's supposed to be. Well, I don't know. There's a... Don't they... What do they call it later? I want to say they call it like... The I don't know. Yeah, it might be the library. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, where Sam is sitting in front of his laptop at a table. Dean says, hey. Sam says, hey, so how's Kevin doing? Dean says, you know, he's okay, I guess. In his corner, hacking out his Da Vinci code. <laughs> Nothing actionable yet. And he takes a beer out of the refrigerator and says, Garth says hi, by the way. Anything from Cass? Sam says, no, not a peep. Why, you? Dean says, no, he's uh, not answering. Sam says, right, well, uh, so I've been trying to chart out the letters network of hunters, their allies, uh, affiliated groups they worked with, kept files on. Dean says, circa 1958. Sam says, yeah, true. Uh, Most are dead or defunct, but others, I'm not so sure. And this one, you should definitely check out. And he puts a file with the Aquarian star symbol on it in front of Dean. Dean says, the Judah Initiative? Sam says, European team. They were active during World War II. Dean says, really? Hunters fighting in a war? That's cool. Sam says, not exactly hunters. Not exactly fighting. But, uh, Dean says, rabbis? Rabbis? (laughs) Sam nods. And Dean says, really? (laughs) Dean looks at a photograph of a group of men uh, in the file. Sam says, the letters file on them is sketchy, but apparently they were hardcore... I can't say this word either. Saboteurs? I think so, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Never had to say that word in my life. I don't know if I have either. Possible, I guess, like in, you know, reading in school or something. Yeah, I've definitely read it a bunch, but I've never, I've just never had to say it. So, okay, Um, Sam says, so I ran a search on the initiative's entire roster, and I got a hit. One rabbi, Isaac Bass. He was 17 years old when he joined the initiative and 85 years old when he died, two weeks ago. Uh, In a college town back east, he was capped. Dean says, capped? (laughs) (laughs) The headline of the Wilkes-Barre Monitor article on the laptop screen reads, Freak Accident on Campus. Sam says, yeah, he was there doing research, and according to eyewitnesses, he spontaneously combusted. Or not so spontaneously. (laughs) 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 Dean says, so, this is the case? Sam raises his eyebrows, and Dean looks around the room as if he does not want to leave. He's like, no. (laughs) Yeah, Dean says, I just got back. (laughs) So we cut to outside the campus library. Um, The Impala stops for a moment, and Sam gets out, and then it drives off. Inside the library, uh, the librarian says, So, uh, you worked with the late uh, Rabbi Bass? 
Sam um, stands in the corner, ta- or stands at the counter, talking to the same librarian who spoke to Rabbi Bass. He says, I was a research associate of Rabbi Bass. Yes. I'm trying to complete his last paper for publication. I'd just like to review what he was after here. The librarian says, well, that would be quite a lot of material. He was here open to close for almost a week. Sam says, wow. Um, how about just the stuff he was looking at, you know, the day he... Uh, Hot fire. <laughs> Poof. <laughs> yeah, I know. The librarian says, does shorten the list a bit. So we cut to inside the campus pub. Uh, two attractive young women in matching sports uniforms are sitting across the table from Dean. Um, the first woman says, he was a really nice old kook. The second woman says, just what he wants to be known yeah. for. <laughs> Yeah, it's a nice, crazy person. <laughs> the second woman says, "Really nice." Dean says, "Cook, how so?" The second woman says, "You know, he'd talk a lot to us, to himself, to anyone who'd listen. He was always talking about the secret roar, blah, 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 the secret <laughs> roar that no <laughs> roar." <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try that again. <laughs> oh, no. Vodka. All- <laughs> yep. He was always talking about this secret war that no one knew was going on. The first woman says, conspiracy stuff. He was obsessed with Nazis. The second woman said, but he said they were special Nazis. You know, necromancers. Dean says, necromancers? Uh, a bearded young man carrying a fruity drink with a pink umbrella in it sits down at a table nearby. He is watching Dean. <laughs> Very closely. Yep. The second woman says, yeah, like from that world of whatever craft that my little brother is always playing. Dean says, Nazi necromancers. The first woman says, it's sad, isn't it, that old people have to go so crazy? The second woman says, I know, it is sad. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> Dean looks at the bearded young man who is staring at him. The, I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Come on. <laughs> the bearded young man smiles at him and raises a hand saying hello. Dean says, you, uh, I'm sorry, uh, you both saw the accident? The first woman says, I can still hear his screams. The second woman says, it was like the fire was alive, like it was attacking him. The first woman says, it was like watching the most awful movie of the most terrible thing you could possibly see. The second woman says, it was like that. (laughs) Great descriptions, ladies. (laughs) And this is what we pay for you to go to college for. (laughs) Dean says, Yeah, and he looks at the bearded young man again. After meeting Dean's eyes for a moment, the bearded young man looks down. So we cut to the library. Uh, A woman pushing a trolley takes Sam to a table with a box labeled FD-113. Sam, who is wearing the white gloves, opens the box and takes out the book, The Explorer's Guide to North American Birds. (laughs) We cut back to Dean. Uh, He holds up his FBI badge to the bearded young man and says, Special Agent Bolin. Dean puts his badge on the table, and the bearded young man looks at it. He says, Oh, really? Wow. I thought you were like a headhunter or something. And he laughs. 
Dean says, this is the second, maybe third time I'm seeing you today. Why are you following me, gingerbread? The bearded young man. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's giving him a little pet name. That's sweet. The bearded young man says, so we, um, we didn't have a thing back there, huh? Dean says, back where? What, what now? Like, hold on. <laughs> the bearded young man says, I'm sorry, man. I thought... I thought we had a thing back at the quad, you know, a little eye magic moment. And I saw you here and I figured I'd wait until you were done with your meeting. And then maybe we might. uh..." Dean says, yeah, uh, okay, but no, uh, no moment. This is a federal investigation. I wonder if everyone who hits on Jensen sounds like that. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. It's like, uh, so we, uh, hi. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Probably. Yeah. The bearded young man says, is that supposed to make you less interesting? No, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I hope, I hope I didn't freak you out or anything. Dean says, no, no, I'm not freaked out. It's just a, you know, a, a federal thing. It's a, okay. Citizen, as you were. <laughs> as you were, soldier. <laughs> I'm leaving now. <laughs> and Dean walks away. The bearded man says, you have a good night. Dean says, you, you. And he turns back to the bearded young man and bumps into a table, causing glasses to knock against each other. He says, have a, okay. <laughs> and then he leaves the pub. He's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Help. <laughs> So outside, Dean answers his phone. He says, yeah? Sam on the phone says, hey. Hey, so I looked into the rabbi's research. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Sam pauses and looks around. Someone who is watching him um, hides behind a corner. Sam says, uh, bird watching. Dean says, huh, well, the two very hot co-captains of the women's volleyball team agree that the rabbi's death was very unnatural. I think we got a case. Sam says that would have supernatural. I know, right? It was a perfect time to say that. I know, right? (laughs) Sam says that would explain why I have something stuck to my shoe. Dean says, You being followed? Sam says, Yeah, I think so. Dean says, That's weird. I thought I was being followed earlier. Turned out to be a gay thing. Sam says, Sam's like, Hold on. Sam says, What? (laughs) Dean says, Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) You're going to have to give me more than just that. You know? Yep. Dean says, nothing. You need a hand? Sam says, yes, please. Got someplace quiet? Dean says, visitors parking. The boonies. I'll park in the back. 30 minutes. So we cut to the visitors parking area. Um, It is nighttime now. Sam walks to the trunk of the Impala. He fumbles with the keys, deliberately drops them to the ground, and crouches down to pick them up. Dean walks up behind uh, the very large man who is crouching in the butch the butches the butches <laughs> what <laughs> sorry we were talking about the gay thing and I just I don't know <laughs> okay uh, he is crouching in the bushes watching Sam Dean says hey pal. The large man stands up, and he is towering over Dean. He's like, oh, I've made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Help. Um, and we see that he's the very large man from 1944. Dean yells as he goes flying through the air. He crashes into the Impala, breaking a side window, and falls to the ground hard. Sam says, Dean? <laughs> Dean! <laughs> Dean groans. 
The very large man steps out of the bushes and heads for Sam, who opens the trunk of the Impala and takes out a machete. Uh, Sam swings a knife at the very large man, and it gets stuck in his forearm, which is, like, so gross looking. Yeah. Dean rolls over onto his front and raises his head to watch. Uh, with effort, Sam pulls the knife free. The very large man grabs Sam by the throat and lifts him off the ground. A man's voice says, stop. And the very large man lets go of Sam. The bearded young man from the campus pub walks up. Dean says, ah, my spleen. Ah! <laughs> Sam says, what the hell is that? <laughs> what is that thing? It's bigger than me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> the bearded young man says, he's a golem. Well, he's my golem. Sam says, right. So we cut to inside a house. The bearded young man opens the door, and the golem pushes him aside and walks past him into the house. The bearded young man follows. Um, so does Sam and Dean. The young man says, the rabbi who was murdered, Isaac Bass, he was my grandfather. That's why we're here. When you guys started to follow up on his case, we started following you. The golem paces around the room. Dean says, so wait, what you're saying is that you and me, we uh, we didn't have a moment? <laughs> uh, the bearded young man says, no, man, I was tailing you. Dean says to Sam, told you I was being followed. He was my gay thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's still like, I'm going to need an explanation. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I don't know how long it is until we get to know this guy's actual name. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. So because in here it's Rabbi Bass's grandson. And I don't want to keep saying that over and over. So we're yeah. just going to call him Aaron because that's his bloody name. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> So. Not his clean one, his black one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Aaron says, it was really good. You really had me there. It was very smooth. Oh, no. Dean says to Aaron, it was really good. You had me there. It was really smooth. Aaron says, yeah, well, smooth is just about all I got. <laughs> the golem looks at him, and Aaron says, what? And the golem grunts. Aaron says, yeah, that's right. Keep walking, you chia pet. <laughs> and the, golem, like, <laughs> the golem grunts again. Sam says, so that's a golem. Aaron says, yes. Shaped from clay and brought to life by rabbis to protect the Jewish people in times of, I don't know, general crappiness. Sam says, and he's yours. Aaron says, hardly. My grandfather left him to me. I'm the last surviving descendant of the members of this thing, this initiative. Sam says, the Judah initiative? Aaron says, right. And he... Uh, the golem interrupts and says, Who? Dean and Sam jump and look around at him. The golem says, Who are they to know about the men of Judah? Dean says, It's okay. Outside the house, uh, we see the man in a suit watching through the windows. Inside, Dean says, We are the good guys. Sam says, We're hunters. Uh, Sam and Dean Winchester. We know about the Judah initiative because our grandfather was a man of letters. The golem says, yes, the rabbis knew of the men of letters. Aaron hands beers to Sam and Dean. Dean says, thank you. And Sam says, thanks. Aaron says, take a seat. So your grandfather was into all this supernatural stuff too? Dean says, yeah, grandparents, mom, dad, truckload of cousins. The whole family was lousy for it. But we, he looks over at the golem who is still pacing and says, we never had a golem. Sam says, right, yeah, we, uh, we grew up in it, but you didn't. Aaron says, my grandfather's adventures, the initiative, 
the golem, the war. They were the stories that he told me when I was a kid. I thought it was make-believe. So did my parents. You know, fantasies to help him cope with all the horrible stuff he had seen. But every once in a while, crazy old Grandpa Bass would come back by, uh, would come back by on one of his trips, hand me a $20 savings bond, and say, one day you'll inherit this mantle. Sure enough, a few days after he died, this big box shows up at my apartment. He always said I'd know what to do, which is crap, because when I open that box, this big naked potato-faced lunatic wakes up and goes crazy. He's so angsty about the golem. <laughs> yeah. He, there is much angst. <laughs> the golem says, I didn't go crazy. <laughs> Aaron says, you trashed my entertainment center and my waterbed. <laughs> How did he trash the waterbed? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. What happened? I just imagine him jumping on it. Or just like, <laughs> I know, or like sitting on it because, hey, he's made of clay and just popped it. Yeah, you know? that could be. <laughs> yep. The golem says, this boy knows nothing, observes none of the mitzvahs, labors on Sabbath, dines on swine. Aaron says, everybody loves bacon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the golem says, he's no rabbi. And then he says this word that I cannot say. I'm going to give it a go. He says, You fun should be. <laughs> I don't think that's it. <laughs> I'm going to say it. He says it a bunch in this episode. I'm going to say it different every time. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so Aaron holds up his hand and says, Oh, don't start with that stuff again. The golem says, you ready for it? Yeah. You'll fun to be. <laughs> Aaron says, enough, please. Quiet time. The golem starts pacing around the house again. Sam says, all right, what was that? What was he saying? Uh, Aaron says, it's Hebrew for something like take charge, but I have no idea what he means. Look, I grew up in Short Hills. I cheated my way through Hebrew school. School. <laughs> Screwed. <laughs> I never really listened to my grandfather, what he was saying. Dean says, so wait, he just sends you this golem and expects you to work it out? Aaron says, he didn't get much chance to prepare me, I guess. My parents, they did everything they could to prevent him from screwing me up with all his crazy talk. See, after the war, my grandfather spent the rest of his life trying to track down something he called the Thule Society. Sam says, the Thule Society, right. They were Nazis. Dean says, Nazi necromancers. <laughs> He's like, I know something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you what I learned. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aaron says, necro who? Sam says, uh, necromancer, uh, witches, sorcerers, dark magic, mostly with dead people. <laughs> Aaron says, okay, all I know about the Thule is that they were this twisted secret fraternity hellbent on world domination that sponsored the early days of the Nazi party. My grandfather said the Judah Initiative was started to fight them. The golem says, and the Thule murdered your grandfather, boy. Find them so I can do my work. And he smashes a side table dramatically. <laughs> it's like, dude. <laughs> There's so much angst flying around <laughs> from all different angles. Yep. Aaron says, hey, hey, we're renting here. Renting. <laughs> and the golem walks into the kitchen. Aaron says, look, I think my golem's right. My grandfather, he left me this message, this message on my machine the day he died. 
He said that he had found something that the Thule were willing to kill him for. He said he was hiding it here in plain sight. He left me this weird, I don't know, equation. He takes a piece of paper out of his pocket and says, It's not a phone number or an address or coordinates. It's QL673W38. And then he hands the piece of paper to Dean. Dean says, Is it a combination? And he hands the paper to Sam. Sam says, oh, it's a call number. Library of Congress. Their filing system. I love how Sam just, like, knows the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> My heart, you know, just like, oh, that's books. Yep. yep it's adorable. <laughs> Sam says, they use it in college libraries. Uh, QL673. That's sciences. Uh, birds, I'm guessing. Let's go. <laughs> how does he know? <laughs> I don't know. That's a weird thing to know, Sam. What? You were in law, man, not, like, aviary <laughs> Yeah, anything. You know, like, come on. Uh, anyway. So Sam heads for the door, and Dean smirks at Aaron. Uh, we cut to inside the library. Sam, Dean, Aaron, and the golem enter the library. Dean is holding lockpicks. Aaron says... What, do you two just break in wherever you go? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dean says, yeah, well, our dad wanted us to have a solid career to fart. Okay, I'm say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Career to fart? <laughs> that's what it sounded like you were going with that. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted us to have a solid career to fart away. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Uh, Dean says, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, our dad wanted us to have a solid career to fall back on, <laughs> just in case this hunter thing didn't pan out. Uh, Sam reads a directory sign on the wall. Uh, sciences are on level two. Sam says, okay, so if I'm right, then I think your grandfather switched the manuscript FD113 out of the archives. I'll be right back. And he runs up the stairs. Dean sits down to wait at the bottom of the stairs. Sam walks past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> what was that? I am struggling. <laughs> Hold on, let me drink some more vodka. Just. Uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. Five uh, more. Okay. <clears throat> Sam. <laughs> I know. Sam walks past bookshelves on level two and find the sec- and finds the section he's looking for. <laughs> um, just as he takes the red legend. <laughs> what is happening? I don't think more vodka is helping. <laughs> is it hurting? That's the question. <laughs> try again (laughs) okay Uh, he finds the section he's looking for just as he takes the red ledger off the shelf he's hit on the top of his jaw with a dart ow he pulls it out with a grunt okay i just want to say that that is another one of those things when i was young that I thought I would have to deal with. Me when too. I was an adult. Like darts getting like, shot into my neck all the time. Because that happens so often in so many different types of movies and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, well, I'm gonna get a dart in the neck at some point, and I hope that I know at least how to fall when it happens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. I thought about it a lot. I can say it has never happened. <laughs> it's never happened to me either. Not even once. 
Like, I've had, like, mosquitoes bite me in the neck, but that's about as close as I've come. Yeah. Okay. Um, his skin turns dark purple, and he winces and groans and blinks as if his vision is blurring. He staggers back against the bookshelf behind him and then starts to unsteadily walk away with a ledger. Uh, the man in the suit says, I owe you thanks, and he steps out from behind a bookshelf. He says, the rabbi got me this far, but you took me all the way. Now give me the ledger. Sam kicks a trolley at the man in the suit and staggers away. Sam yells, help! And Dean looks around at Sam at the top of the stairs. Sam says, necromancer! (laughs) 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 Dean says to Aaron, stay here. And he runs up the stairs as Sam falls on a landing partway down the stairs. Dean sees the large purple bruise on Sam's jaw and neck and says, crap. (laughs) A dart hits Aaron in the chest. Aaron says, ah, ah! (laughs) He did not take it very well. (laughs) Dean says, crap! (laughs) To the golem, he says, hey, big guy, they're both going to die unless we get whoever casts a spell. The golem runs up up the stairs as Dean crouches with a hand on Sam's back. Dean says to Sam, come on, come on, and he helps Sam up. The golem walks past bookshelves on level two. The man in a suit is hiding at the end of one of the bookshelves. Back with the boys, Dean touches Sam's face where the dark purple color is spreading. Aaron lies on his back on the floor, breathing shallowly. Cut back to the golem. He walks along uh, the bookshelves and a dart hits him in the side of the face. He pauses and removes it. (laughs) Casually. Just like, hmm. (laughs) We cut to Dean. He finally removes the dart from Aaron's chest. (laughs) He's just busy caressing Sam. Uh, We cut to the golem. He reaches a hand through the shelves, knocking books out of the way, and grabs the man in a suit and pulls him hard against the shelves. Um, The golem knocks the man in a suit against the shelves again and again and then lets him drop to the floor. We cut to Dean. He's got a headache now. (laughs) Yes. Uh, he points his gun up the flight of stairs. The golem drags the man in a suit partway down the stairs. Sam's eyes are closed. Uh, the golem drops the man in a suit on the landing. And the man in a suit raises his head and says, Long live the fool. The golem breaks the man in a suit's neck. The discoloration on Sam's face and neck fades and he opens his eyes. Sam says, or Dean says, or not. <laughs> so we cut to the Impala. Uh, Aaron takes a deep breath and sits up in the back seat. The golem is standing next to the Impala. Aaron puts a hand to his chest on where he was hit with a dart. And he says, oh, man. The golem says, the men of letters healed you. They saved your life. Sam and Dean are standing with shovels next to piles of dirt. A body wrapped in a sheet lies on the ground. Aaron says, what are they doing? Golem says, the golem says, burying the necromancer. Sam and Dean pick up the body and drop it into the grave. Dean says, that's like a bag of Legos. The golem destroyed this guy. <laughs> Sam says, yeah, so the, the Thule Society, necromancers aside, what's our contingency plan on that? Dean says, you mean how do we, oh no, Mr. Bill over there? They pour <laughs> accelerant over the body. Sam says, I mean, I'd like to think we could if we had to, unless you think Aaron can get a handle on him. Um... As Aaron watches open-mouthed and the golem watches impassively, Dean tosses a lit match into the grave. 
Aaron says, oh, my God, these guys are psychopaths. Like, literally, that's the thing that put you over the edge. Not the Nazi necromancers. Not the golem. (laughs) This huge guy made from clay. Yeah. (laughs) That's beating the tar out of Nazi necromancers, by the way. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, none of this bothers you until they burn a body. A A dead body. You know, like, okay, that's cremation. That's a normal thing, you know, (laughs) Aaron watches in horror as Sam warms his hand over the fire. I mean, that's a little bit. <laughs> I really like that part. <laughs> like, okay, might yep. as well get some warmth from yep. it. <laughs> so we cut to Aaron's house. It's daytime now. Dean enters carrying a tray of coffees. Sam and Aaron are at the table. Sam is using a German to English translator on the laptop. Uh, the English translation reads, May 12, 1944, the commandant has been informed that Group 1 has responded favorably, favorably, is what I just tried to say, <laughs> to the latest trials. Dean says, what'd you find out? Sam says, I think it's a logbook from a Nazi compound in Belarus. Um, it was run by the Thule. Aaron is reading the ledger. He says, this is the red ledger. It was lost in the fire that destroyed the compound, but my grandfather was convinced it had been found after the war. Sam says, well, it describes the horrible experiments performed on the camp's population. Magical experiments. The golem says, more horrible than words. Sam says, you were there, weren't you? At the camp. The golem says, I was made in the ghetto of... (laughs) To tear that hell down. I broke its walls, its men. The commandant burnt the place to ash around me. Sam says, okay, uh, what does it mean when you tell Aaron to take charge? The golem says, the boy would know if he could consult the pages. (laughs) Dean says, pages? What pages? Aaron says, when I was was bar mitzvahed, my grandfather gave me this little book. It was in Hebrew. It was like an owner's manual for a golem. Dean says, okay, great. Get that then. <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> Aaron says, I can't exactly. <laughs> when I went to high school, I sort of drifted. I started getting off the academic track and uh, I kind of, um, I kind of smoked it. <laughs> <laughs> the golem <clears throat> says, the boy smoked the pages. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) Aaron says, they were these thin, vellumy pages. I mean, it was perfect for rolling. You're like, come on, man. (laughs) Look, they were driving instructions for a clay man, okay? It was nonsense, right? I mean, I... Okay, all right, look. I'm sorry, okay? Why can't you just tell me what I don't know? See, that to me would be like, this is strange enough that I should probably keep it, you know? (laughs) Just in case. At the very least, don't smoke it. I know. (laughs) Like, maybe I'll put it somewhere and forget about it for a few years until I find it again, but, like, probably shouldn't destroy it. Yeah. Because it's just out there enough to where... Maybe I need it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, So the golem slams his hands onto the table and says, it's not my place to guide the rabbi, to teach the teacher. It's not my place. You'll fend to be. (laughs) (laughs) You'll fend to be. I'm so sorry for anyone who knows how to actually say that. Let me see the word. Yeah, yeah, oh boy. It's a hard one, right? 
you fall shouldn't be? I don't know. Yeah, okay. I don't know. <laughs> Your guess is just as good as mine. <laughs> so the golem walks into another room. Dean says, that's not super comforting. Gotta say. Aaron nods. Dean gets up and walks to the sink. Sam says, so, as far as I can tell, these experiments, the Thule were murdering Jews, gypsies, just about anybody and everybody, then trying to magically reanimate them. They were trying to figure out a way to bring their own dead back to life, which I'm guessing they figured out because this. And he turns to pages of the ledger. He says, the last page is a roster of every dead Thule member who was reanimated. Aaron says, this is why they killed my grandfather? Dean says, anything in there on how to kill it? Sam says, apparently they experimented with that too. Um, headshot. But if you don't burn the body within 12 hours, it reanimates again. Dean says, Nazi bastards. <laughs> so we cut to... Yes. Out- <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> we cut to outside the library. A black car pulls up. The driver opens the rear door for a man wearing a ring bearing a design with a sword and four crosses. Um, inside the library, uh, the man wearing the ring and the driver walk up the stairs. Um... The ring man, (laughs) the ring man, (laughs) walks among the shelves. Uh, The driver walks up to him and speaks with a German accent. The driver says, the security camera's hard drives have all been wiped. Are you sure he's been murdered? The man with the ring says, Torvald was killed here, but not by a man. I'd know more, but his ghost was forced to depart before it could tell me. They knew enough to burn his remains. The ring man takes a book from a shelf and finds some clay underneath it. The driver says, blood? The ringman says, Clay, Torvald killed the initiative's last rabbi, and now the golem of Vitsibik <laughs> kills him. <laughs> Vitsibsk? Vits- I don't know. Vitsibsk. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. Okay, so we cut to Aaron's house. Uh, Dean on the phone says, No, no, Garth, not a tool society. Thule. T H U L E. Tool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, call me if you find anything. <clears throat> Dean hangs up. Sam is using the laptop at the table. Dean says, all of Garth's contacts are stumped. Nobody on the circuit's ever even heard of the Thule Society. Whoever these people are, they've been flying beneath the Hunter radar. Anything? Sam says, nothing solid. I mean, the lore is all over the place. Uh, according to one legend, it can be shut down if you erase one of the letters off its forehead. Dean says, I didn't see any letters on Clayface. <laughs> Sam says, exactly, so sideburner that. Another one, uh, some have a scroll in their mouth you're supposed to rip out. Dean says, wouldn't that give him some sort of lisp or something? <laughs> <laughs> Sam says, I mean, uh, that yeah, means, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sam says, well, classically, they're not even supposed to speak. We do know that he took an entire camp full of heavily armed German soldiers and Thule necromancers and won. Dean says, one badass Hummel figurine. (laughs) Sam says, that we have no idea how to put back in that box. Dean says, great. Aaron comes into the room and says, so that's your plan? Taking out my golem? Sam says, it's not a plan. Dean says, we would just feel a lot better if we knew how. That's all. (laughs) He's big and scary. (laughs) (laughs) And you have no control. (laughs) Aaron says, what makes you think you have any right to make that decision? Dean says, believe me, if we need the right, we will take it. 
Aaron says, look, he may be a pain in the ass, but he's my responsibility. Sam says, look, the golem was built to go to war. You're not trained for that. How are you going to take that on? Aaron says, I don't know. Uh, the man in the suit, a uh, different man in a suit, because the <laughs> other one got all crunched, right? <laughs> Legos. Yeah, <laughs> right. So a man in a suit kicks in the front door. Dean grabs Aaron and pushes him back behind him. Sam hides the red ledger under a leather bag in a corner. Dean tries to grab his gun from his duffel bag, but the man punches Dean and sends him flying to the ground. The man points a gun at Sam. Another man hauls Aaron up by his clothes. The golem charges into the room, growling. He overturns the table, grabs one of the men, and chokes him. Um, the man wearing the ring. Oh, I wonder if that's the man in the suit. And I just got confused. I think so. Okay. Um, he says, enough. There you are. You grim piece of work. And the golem turns to face the man. He says, after all these years. The golem says, Eckhart. Eckhart, um, holding out a hand towards the golem and speaking in Latin, says, Clay of Adam, surrender your bond unto me. The golem stands still and his shoulders sag. Eckhart pats him on the shoulder as he walks past him towards Aaron, Sam, and Dean. The man pointing a gun at Sam pushes him against the wall. Another man points a gun at Dean, who is still on the floor. Sam slides down the wall to sit on the floor, holding up his hands. Eckhart walks to the golem, who is standing motionless. Eckhart says, I command you by the covenant of your makers, Clay of Adam, surrender your bond unto me. The golem opens his mouth and a small scroll falls into Eckhart's hand. Hot damn. <laughs> there was a scroll there in is. there. Yeah. And he didn't even lisp. <laughs> Maybe that's why he was so angry all the time. I know. That'd be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Eckhart to Aaron says, so you are the golem's rabbi. He reads the scroll and says, you woke him, but you didn't take possession of him. You write your name on the scroll, boy. That's how you... You'll find to be. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. Aaron says, I didn't know what he meant. <clears throat> Dean looks at a gun in his jacket, which is just out of reach. Eckhart says, knowledge is power, isn't it? He strikes Aaron across the face, and Aaron falls back against the wall. Eckhart says, now which of you is going to tell me where I can find a certain red ledger? One of the men looks through a chest in front of the bed. Sam says, how about you screw yourself, Nazi bastard? Go Sam. I know, right? You tell that Nazi bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Eckhart says, can we, could we put the Nazi thing aside for a moment and just talk about this? Like, so, uh, what? <laughs> like, yeah. How? <laughs> you know, like, that's not a thing. Dean says, Nazi necromancer dicks, pass. <laughs> Sam says, so I take it you're the commandant, the one that authorized all those experiments. Eckhart says, invented those experiments. Thank you. <laughs> Sam says, so what about you? I mean, you're not undead. So what did you do? You cast a Forever 21 spell on yourself, like your little friend at the library? Eckhart says, his name was Torvald, and you will suffer for that. <laughs> Is he saying he'll suffer for the Forever 21 comment? Because I thought that was No, funny. for his friend, I think. Oh. <laughs> I because like, he Legoed him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. Busted him into Legos. <laughs> uh, one of the men finds the red ledger <clears throat> under the bag in the corner. Dean says, you know, I gotta say, spell or no spell, he broke easy. So the man hands the red ledger to Eckhart, who flips through it. Eckhart says, I'm sorry. So let me tell you what I see. A magic Jew at my feet, not a master in sight, and finally, 
He holds up the red ledger and says, Our secret's secret once again. Which reminds me of a story. A Jew, two Gentiles, and a golem walk into a bar. Jeez. <laughs> and it doesn't end with them coming out. <sighs> Aaron suddenly smashes Eckhart with a table leg from the table the golem broke. Sam goes for the gun in the leather bag, and Dean goes for the gun in his jacket. They shoot the two men who are pointing guns at them. The third man drags Aaron towards the door, but suddenly drops Aaron and runs out the door. Eckhart gets to his feet and says, Fools, you can kill me, but you will never kill all the fool. It's like, well, we're going to start with you. (laughs) We got to do what we got to (laughs) do. Sam and Dean shoot Eckhart in the head at the same time. Dean says, well, that's a start. To Aaron, he says, you okay? Aaron says, yeah, yeah. So we cut to some time later. The golem is still standing near the door with his mouth open. We see light from car headlights through the window, and a few moments later, Aaron, Sam, and Dean enter. Uh, Dean says, well, now we know. Paper beats golem. Fire beats undead Nazi zombie freaks. (laughs) Sam says, so, what do you say, Aaron? I mean, we got a place we can keep him. Aaron says, no. I mean, Eckhart might be dead, but you heard him. The fool are still out there. Hidden. Active. He unwinds the scroll and looks at the last name on it. He says, that's my grandfather. He left me something important. He takes the pen out of his pocket and says, something only I can do. Aaron writes his name on the scroll, then rolls it up and places it in the golem's mouth. The golem breathes deeply and straightens his shoulders. He turns to face Aaron. Aaron says, it looks like I'm the Judah Initiative now. The golem says, You ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> the fam should be. <laughs> Aaron says, but I thought I did. The golem says, yes. And he bows his head He's to like, Aaron. finally. I know. <laughs> we cut to the bunker. Sam takes a card from a drawer and walks towards the table as Dean comes into the room. Dean says, what are you doing? And he opens the refrigerator as Sam sits down. Sam says, ordering... I'm making a a card entry for our copies from the Thule's Red Ledger for our collection. Dean looks down at the beers in his hand, looks at Sam, and then puts the beers back in the fridge. Dean says, so uh, what? Aaron's a J.I. and you're a man of letters now? Is that it? Dean pours scotch from a decanter on one of the bookshelves. He sets a glass down in front of Sam. Dean says, good. Sam looks at Dean and picks up his glass and sniffs at it. Dean sits down um, on the opposite side of the next table and puts his feet up. Sam and Dean tilt their glasses towards each other and drink. And credits. <laughs> okay, so I have thoughts. Okay. First one is that I like that they're like, they're, that the bunker is a thing now. Yes. Because I just love the bunker. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Um. Also, okay, is it just me? <laughs> or did that first <clears throat> um, Nazi necromancer guy that, like, shot Sam in the neck, <laughs> doesn't he not look like like an older version of, like, Draco Malfoy? <laughs> oh, I can't picture him. Like, I don't know. To me, he just reminded me too much of like a German version of Draco Malfoy and Harry Potter you know with that's how so he, funny like just with how his hair was and just kind of how he talked and that sort of like not mm-hmm. the accent but just like you know the way he said 
the words. Yeah, like, I don't I don't remember what he looks like. Like I watched so many episodes and this was yeah. like the first one. Yeah. So I don't remember their yeah. faces. Yeah. yeah. I just a couple times throughout it I'm like, he looks like Draco Malfoy. If Draco Malfoy if Draco Malfoy was a Nazi. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, you know Right. <laughs> it is what it is. But also, okay, it was a little bit weird to me that like, you know, they just apparently not just the headshot works for taking out the necromancers, but snapping the neck works and then breaking them into a bunch of little pieces like a You still had to burn know. them or they'd reanimate. Yeah, but like I would assume, well, I guess maybe they didn't, like, try busting them into bits. They probably did try, like, a headshot first, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So there's probably, there probably is more than one way, but it's kind of like, okay, the first one, they didn't headshot. Like, Mm -hmm. he got torn up into a bunch of little pieces, but, like, there was no headshot. So I guess if you burn them, it still counts. I think so. I don't know. It was just kind of weird. I was like, that seems like a loose end. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't catch that. But, yeah, other than that, like, this was a very anxious episode for me. <laughs> How come? Just because there was too much, like, uh, I don't even know. I just remember feeling antsy the whole time. Like, not anxious, but just kind of antsy, you know, like, oh, they're getting it again. Oh, now he still doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, dear God, what's happening, you know? Yeah. Because, like, I kind of remember this episode. I remember it bits and pieces, but not a lot. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there was a lot of, like, unknown in this one where I feel like they kind of, like, know more as they go, usually. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> but, yeah, that that's pretty much it. But mm-hmm. uh, what was your favorite moment from this episode? Um, my favorite moment was all the gay stuff between Aaron and Dean. Yeah. Yeah. Just the discomfort on both ends, you know? Yeah, just Aaron kind of, you know, hitting on Dean a little bit, you know? Yeah. And Dean being wildly uncomfortable, yeah. and then being, like, so uncomfortable, he's like, I must confront this man. I'm like, you know, I'm- I need to... I need to do something, but I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then telling Sam, like, oh, I had a gay thing. And all of that. I just, I loved that whole, that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite moment? <laughs> Mine was that Aaron smoked the golem instructions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who does that? <laughs> you know, like, here's this thing that at least, at the very least, very important to your grandfather. Mm-hmm. Why would you smoke it? <laughs> Even if it yeah. means absolutely nothing. This is like a treasured thing from your family member. And just because you like the type of paper, you just roll it right up and down it goes. You yeah. Know, like, what? Also, yeah. like, I assume that it's like ink on the paper. Yeah. That can't be good to inhale. No, especially ink that's howled. You know, that yeah. probably has, like, lead in it. You know? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how they used to make ink, but, like, I can only imagine that it wasn't great. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ingredients weren't kosher. <laughs> right. That. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that, that was my favorite because it made me giggle a lot. <laughs> Um, so the interesting facts from this episode, um, it says the Men of Letters Vault, um, is located in Lebanon, Kansas, which is the geographical center of the continental United States. 
I did not know that. Neither did I. <laughs> wow. Um, it says the idea of a golem, um, a manipulable soldier made out of magically animated mud or clay created to protect Jews during pogroms or other times of anti-Semitism, um, actually is a part of European Jewish folklore and mythology. Uh, the earliest known written description of a golem's creation dates from the late 1100s or early 1200s. Uh, the most famous version of the golem myth comes from 16th century Prague, um, where a rabbi named Judah, oh boy, L- Lo Ben Bezalo. Ooh, that's, <laughs> I probably messed that one up, um, was fabled to have created a golem to protect Prague's Jews from pogroms. <clears throat> Uh, the vast majority of Jewish, Jewish, Jewish <laughs> scholars, I'm getting ahead of myself here, um, even strictly orthodox ones, uh, see the golem story as a piece of allegorical folklore and not something to be taken seriously in a religious context. Um, it says, Dean introduces himself as Agent Bolin. Um, this is most likely a nod to Mark Bolin, a lead singer uh, of the classic glam rock band T-Rex. I have never heard of that band. <laughs> never heard of them. I like that there's a band called T-Rex. Though. Oh, me too. <laughs> um, it says the Golem Scroll reads the following names in Hebrew um, from bottom to top. Rabbi Isaac, son of Abraham. Rabbi David, son of Jacob. And Rabbi Adam, son of Benjamin. Um, it says the setting for this episode was in Wilkes Bar, uh, Pennsylvania, due to the area's historical Jewish population. Um, Misha Collins, this is Misha Collins' second favorite episode, um, next to The French Mistake from 2011. Oh, that's fun. Um, so, it says, the word yifalchenbi is meaningless. (laughs) It isn't in Hebrew, biblical or or modern, or in Yiddish, um, which is the language that the Jewish people in Europe invented centuries ago so they could communicate even if they are from different countries. Um, the producers probably invented the word, especially for the episode. <laughs> well, that makes me feel a little bit better yeah, about, about butchering yeah. it completely. But they don't tell you how to, like, I'm sure if we were to go and listen to it and then try and repeat it, we might get it. But, like, that's a tongue twister, that one. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that really stressed me out. I'm sweating. <laughs> it's like, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you had to read that. <laughs> Thanks. And I only had to read it once. <laughs> I know when I was watching the episode, they kept saying it, and I was like, no! no! <laughs> saying it! You don't need it. It doesn't need to exist. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I'm getting too worked up. Okay, it says, uh, during the scene when Sam flees from the Thule Society member, um, one of the books on the shelf as he runs down the aisle bears the Nazi swash- swash- swastika. Blah, 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 blah. I can't say it. I don't need to say that word, though, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, so it says, uh, John DeSantis, um, who plays the golem, uh, previously appeared in the episode uh, Ghost Facers from 2008 as Freeman Daggett, which isn't that the old, like, the old ghost guy? Or no, am I thinking of something else? I can't remember because there is more than one Ghost Facer episode. I know. And so it I says can't. from 2008. So like, it would have been like four seasons ago. So, because that first one, the character, the bad guy character, Ghost, was like Murdoch or something. Oh, like that. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this must guy have must have the, been the other one. The other one, yeah. The guy who killed, um, what's his name? 
Because they were in like a haunted asylum or something for that one, right? Or no? No, they were just in this guy's house. It was just a haunted house. Hmm. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, it says, additionally, uh, Graham uh, Beddoes? Uh, I don't know if I said that right, um, which is SS Gate Guard number one. Okay. <laughs> uh, previously appeared in Supernatural What's Up Tiger Mommy um, as a purgatory monster. Oh, okay. That so, wasn't too long ago. Mm-mm, that was just a few episodes ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, during the episode, they mentioned something called the Judah Initiative. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who plays John Winchester, uh, played a character named Judah in the show Weeds from 2005. Oh. Um, I watched a lot of that show, and I never got to him. I, so I guess I didn't watch it all. I definitely. <laughs> well, and would you have known who he was at that point? Because um, 2005, you didn't start watching Supernatural from the get-go, did you? No, I didn't. I so even him. if you saw him, you wouldn't have known him as John Winchester. You're right. So. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that it's like I've watched before but then after supernatural i'll like rewatch, and i'm like oh that's so and so or mm-hmm. oh that's so and so and i had you know, obviously no clue who they were before but right um so it says the sentence eckert uh says to stop the golem is in aramaic um it says jensen ackles and john desantis who play the golem um shared a fight scene in the series dark angel from 2000 in the episode dark angel proof of purchase from 2001 hmm um, and here it says, ironically, the Nazi used Israeli manufactured Uzi when, or Uzi maybe mm-hmm. when they attacked the brothers in the hotel room. Okay. <laughs> it's like, you're using Jewish weapons. <laughs> you know, what are you doing? But, um. Oh, give me a second to pull up the research here. <laughs> For some reason, the research will not pull up on my phone because it doesn't like rancor in this house, apparently. Um, so our research is <laughs> spontaneous combustion. <laughs> From Ranker. From Ranker. <laughs> Yay. Um, and it's weird things you didn't know about spontaneous human combustion. Uh, it says, not too long ago, spontaneous human combustion, or SHC, um, was accepted by the general public as something to really crap your pants about. <laughs> People were catching fire and scientists couldn't figure out what was going on. So what is spontaneous human combustion? It's basically exactly what it sounds like. Suddenly, you just explode. <laughs> That sounds horrible. In fact, people are still spontaneously combusting every once in a while, and there's no, def- there's still no definitive answer why. Uh, it says a lot of what's been written about SHC focuses mostly on mysterious, fiery deaths and gruesome remains left behind. And for obvious reasons, everyone knows SHC sells. <laughs> but there is a slew of weird points in its lively history, interesting tidbits that are often forgotten or ignored in favor of the crazy fact that someone just went up in flames for no good reason. So for the record, here are a bunch of weird and often overlooked spontaneous human combustion facts to give you some insight into what happens to your body if you spontaneously combust. Oh, good. <laughs> I have a whole new fear. I know. It's poof. You know, yeah. Like, no, thank you. Um, so the first one is the fire doesn't spread. Um, one of the weirdest things about SHC is that the people eating fire pretty much never spreads beyond its victim. It'll toast the unfortunate human now and then, plus whatever the human happens to be sitting slash sleeping slash existing on, but not much else. Again and again, officials have reported fires that consume people while mysteriously ignoring all the delicious flammable materials nearby. 
That's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, one famous example of this fire, um, the of this fire don't care phenomenon, is Mary Reeser. <laughs> it says pictured above, and it's literally two guys sweeping up a bunch of ashes. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I mean, it sounds awful, but like pictured above, she's not pictured above. There's two guys trying to like push her into a dustbin. Like okay. Um. Anyways, um, she was found burnt, or she was found burnt to ashes inside her home in Saint Petersburg, Florida, um, on July second, nineteen fifty-one. The upholstered chair Reeser was sitting in was totally roasted, but nothing else was damaged by the fire, including a pile of newspapers sitting right beside it. Uh, the clock on Reeser's table was found dead too. Its hands displayed four twenty, which, as we all know, is the best time to light something on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> There's too many smoking things in this episode. <laughs> wow. Um, the next thing is that most victims don't fully combust. Um, it says Mary Reeser didn't burn completely to ashes, just mostly. And this is another weird fact about spontaneous human combustion. A lot of times, the flame misses a body part or two, like a bonfire that dies down and leaves behind a couple or behind or leaves behind a few smoldering logs. Reeser's left foot and part of her skull and spine were found unconsumed in the 1951 spontaneous combustion incident. And in 1980, a man named Henry Thomas was discovered in his South Wales home, burnt entirely to ashes, save his skull and parts of his legs. Uh, This kind of thing happens all the time in the world of SHC, and it's probably related to the concentration of fat in the human body, which there isn't much in the lower legs or skull. Uh, it says, some managed to survive SHC. It says, believe it or not, Ripley, there are people who have experienced the horror of having their bodies catch on fire for no reason and have then brushed themselves off and moved on with their lives. Granted, this is not a common result of SHC. It's a rare exception, and anyone who catches fire and survives without too much physical or psychological suffering is a lucky person indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it says such lucky people include Frank Baker, um, who burst into flames one day in 1995 while preparing for a fishing trip. His story was later the subject of an episode of The Unexplained Files, in which he notes he was petrified, but didn't offer to explain what spontaneous human combustion feels like. Well, yeah, no kidding. Let's just relive that. Things yeah. like, yes, it happened. I'm not going to tell you what it felt like. It felt like you were getting burned alive. Like, what do you mean? Ugh. Uh. Anyways, um, it says uh, Mrs. Charles Charles Williamson is another lucky example. Um, According to Juanita Rose Violini's um, Almanac of the Infamous, the Incredible, and the Ignored, Mrs. Williamson's dress caught fire inexplicably in 1932, but she lived. In both of the above cases, friends or... Friends and or family were present to beat out the flames. Um, Absent witnesses, uh, these endings would likely have been a lot more sad than happy. Uh, The next one is SHC... SHC may be tied to alcoholism. Um, It it says Jan Bondison uh, writes a cabinet writes in a cabinet of medical curiosities that from the earliest literature, it is evident that the notion of spontaneous human combustion emanated from the 16th and 17th century popular belief that the drinking of strong spirits might like, might light a spontaneous flame in the stomach. Um, many people saw a connection between SHC and dipsomania, um, a long time ago and glancing through a few old articles and pamphlets will make that clear. But most people also saw that SHC preferred murdering old alcoholics, 
<laughs> what? Huh. It says Daniel Drake's 1828, A Discourse on Intemperance, uh, gives three such examples. Um, M. Boy- Boyneau, um, 80, uh, Countess Cornelia, 62, and M. Thwars, or Thurs, I don't know, above 60. All had been accustomed to drinking, and, were all, and all were found burnt to a crisp. Um, and an elderly person, drunk in poor health, and suddenly consumed by fire... Wait, no. An elderly person, drunk in poor health, and suddenly consumed by fire, might be forgiven for being unable to move quickly enough to extinguish the flame, and then burning to ashes. However, SHC doesn't hesitate to make exceptions. In the absence of drunken elders, it will go for any old drunk when it comes across. There is a 25-year-old who caught fire and then survived for 13 days, but he was a chronic alcoholic. Um, it says, acetone may explain why humans spontaneously combust. Um, it says, Brian J. Ford used pork tissue formed into scale models of people. <laughs> to I'm te- sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> he used pork tissue formed into scale models of people. For what? To test spontaneous combustion on. Oh! <laughs> I missed that part. I thought he was just making a little like to you know, like test the, the flame thing. Yeah, no, no, just like playing with pork. Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, it said Ford had a different idea about what exactly uh, was fueling spontaneous human combustion. Um, he believed it was the accumulation of acetone, a highly flammable compound, in fatty areas of the human body. Acetone can be present in high quantities under certain conditions, one of which includes alcoholism. So instead of using gasoline, like Dr. John DeHaan did in a previous experiment, Ford went with acetone. His team soaked pork tissue in the stuff and crafted the marinated meat chunks into scale human models, complete with clothing. (laughs) Oh my god. Then he set them on fire. The result? Models burnt to ashes in half an hour, with some appendages unconsumed, just like real-life SHC scenarios. So, interesting. Yeah. Um, so it says carbon monoxide poisoning could also be responsible. Um, it says in April 1894, Dr. Adrian Hava or Hava um, published a short paper in the New Orleans Medical and Surgical Journal titled "So-Called Spontaneous Combustion or Increased Combustibility of the Human Body with Experiments." <laughs> Said experiments would certainly have qualified as animal abuse these days, but back then it was apparently still okay to shoot up a bunch of roosters with brandy until they keeled over drunk (laughs) and eventually dead. That's horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, at least they go out drunk and happy, so there's that. Um, It says, and that's exactly what Hava did to test his theory that SHC had nothing to do with alcohol. Thrice daily, he administered... Thrice. Not just three times daily. Thrice daily. (laughs) He administered anywhere from half a dram to a full dram of brandy. Um, One fluid dram is an eighth of an ounce uh, to a flock of roosters. Nary a one spontaneously combusted before dying, and none of their corpses could be set alight. So much for alcohol, then. But Hava wasn't done. As explained in his paper, he went on to theorize that the true cause of SHC was gradual carbon monoxide poisoning, and so he tested his theory by poisoning a bunch of rabbits, of course. (sighs) The rabbits died. But guess what? Hava was easily able to set their bodies on fire, and they burned with the same kind of blue flame that's often reported in cases of SHC. Hmm. Um. I don't like all this animal testing. (laughs) Well... I don't think there's any more, so. Um, although it says one scientist set a dead pig on fire to test an SHC theory, so it was dead already, so whatever. Okay. Um, 
So it says, like most scientists, Dr. John DeHaan wasn't too keen on accepting that a human could simply burst into flames spontaneously. Um, also, like most scientists, he was on board with the leading wick effect theory <laughs> of SHC, which states that a human will burn like a candle in special cases where clothing, the wick, catches fire and melts some body fat, the wax, um, which then acts as fuel for the deadly combustion to continue. But DeHaan needed to test that theory, the kind of test involving an actual burning body. Unable to find any willing human volunteers. Oh, that's shocking. <laughs> no kidding. He instead decided to set a dead pig on fire for science. <laughs> and that was how, in 1998, a scientist figured out that if you wrap a pig in gas-soaked cloth and set it on fire, it'll burn to bacon bits in about five or six hours. Well, no shit. No kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, it says SHC rarely takes more than one person at a time. It says humans who spontaneously combust almost always do so one at a time. Examples of more than one person burning together are rare, though not unheard of. In 1821, the London Medical and Physical Journal included an account of dual SHC in Nevers, France, um, in circumstances similar to many cases of SHC, um, a pile of ashes, body parts left behind, and flammable items untouched. Uh, the victims were elderly women, um, 90 years old, and her servant, 66, both found burnt together in the woman's bed, which had been reduced to cinders. Um, based on the position of the servant's leg, one of the con unconsumed body parts discovered, investigators presumed that she'd thrown herself on top of her burning employer to put out the fire and then had been consumed herself. Um, it says, some victims take a really long time to die. As bad as SHC sounds, it can actually be even worse. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, exactly. There are tales of people who combusted and then, instead of burning up in a matter of minutes, kept living for a few days. And it's not a pretty thing. Ugh. It says one example from the 1833 Cyclopedia of Practical Medicine um, tells of Friar Don G. Maria Bertholi. That's a mouthful. Um, whose body caught fire, extinguished itself, and then spent four days rotting away in a state of feverish, feverish delirium. Oh, be horrible. That, yeah, just put me out of my misery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pull the plug, please. <laughs> um, in another case, a 25-year-old man caught on fire but continued living for 13 days as his flesh slowly rotted and dropped off his body in chunks. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's awful. Um, so it says the temperance movement used the fear of SHC to scare people sober. Um, in the 19th century, the temperance movement went full metal jacket on alcoholism with a bar barrage of pamphlets and papers, uh, many of which weren't exactly temperate in their treatment. Uh, the movement's authors seemed to enjoy weaving the most horrible of SHC horror stories into a whirlwind of anti-alcohol, pro-religion propaganda to dissuade topers from imbibing, scare them all sober, essentially. Uh, Drake's uh, previously cited discourse is full of vivid descriptions uh, that would make any alcoholic reconsider. For example, the remains of her body in the most horrid condition, at the distance of four feet from the bed, w was a heap of ashes in which, would be dis in which could be distinguished the legs and arms untouched. Between the legs lay the head, the brain of which, together with half the posterior parts of the cranium and the whole chin, had been consumed. Three fingers were found in the state of coal. The rest of the body was reduced to ashes, which, when touched, left on the fingers a fat, foated moisture. Gross. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, um, people thought you could save SHC victims with urine. Oh. 
That took a turn. I know. It says urine has held a position in medicine for millennia, so it's not surprising that it was once considered a healing power in the presence of spontaneous human combustion. In fact, this is the exact prescription that saved the life of Zacharys of Hester. Zacharys? I don't know. Um, it says, one night after drinking too much, Zachary's mouth exploded with blue flames. His wife promptly pissed on the fire and put it out. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it says the urine treatment got one well-meaning rescuer killed. Um, it says not everyone knew about this dubious cure. However, as the case of a Norse per- uh, parson named Gomp Savory. Wait, 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 wait. Um, I just want to go back to the mouth pissing. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So she was like, homie, lay down while your mouth is on fire. I don't know. And then she peed into his mouth. Popped a squat and (laughs) peed all over. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, well, since, since he was drinking too. he was probably not that hard to knock over since he was drunk mm-hmm. she just probably pushed him over and just peed right on him that's what i can assume i don't know wow. i could be wrong but ew <laughs> <laughs> okay i just wanted to clarify that get <laughs> the good. right image in my head I know. <laughs> instead of the wrong one <laughs> yeah. none of it's a good image no. <laughs> but it is what it is um, um, Norse parson named Gompus Avery. Okay. Um, after services one Sunday, uh, the good parson discovered a combusting drunk in a ditch near his church and saved his life by gallantly dousing him with fresh holy urine. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Unfortunately, the alcoholic was ignorant of this odd prescription and his anger inspired a violent mob that beat the pissing parson to death. <laughs> With a candlestick taken from his very own altar. Oh, no! (laughs) Uh, um, It says, Some victims apparently come close to combusting, but never actually do. Um, A few old sources recount stories of unfortunate souls who seem very close to spontaneous combustion, but never quite made it to the melting point. (laughs) That seems good! (laughs) Yeah, but that's awful! (laughs) Instead, their suffering was extended by an odd internal heat that burned, but never consumed. A fire in the belly, if you will. That does sound horrible. Yeah. Um, yes, this is better than actually combusting, but it's still downright miserable if the historical records are any indication. The Cyclopedia of Practical Medicine tells of a farmer whose stomach burned and breath literally smoked. No amount of cold water could, cold water would uh, or could ease his extreme discomfort. And the Dublin Journal of Medical and Chemical Science, Volume 3, from 1833, has a gruesome account. A pregnant woman of Orleans is stated to have been attacked by some inflammation in the hypogastric region, the heat attendant on which was so great that the fetus, having been extracted from the uterus, its bones were found reduced to reddish powder. Oh, that is horrible. That's awful. Um, It says, some witnesses can't explain what they saw. Um, It's true that many victims of SHC go up in flames unobserved, but they don't always do it alone. There are often witnesses to the occasion. And one such story comes from Larry Arnold's Ablaze via Signs of the Times. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Sounds awful. Um, In 1982... Uh, Jeannie Saffins 
father um, saw his mentally handicapped daughter catch fire while sitting in the kitchen of her home in Edmonton, London. Blue flames sprouted from her face and abdomen like homicidal wildflowers, but Mr. Safin, with the help of his son-in-law, Donald, was able to put them out. Um, unfortunately, Jeannie succumbed to her burn injuries a few days later. Um, Donald told the coroner that the flames were coming from her mouth like a dragon, and they were making a roaring noise. Ooh, wow. So, uh, that's the tea on spontaneous combustion. (laughs) That sounds fucking horrible. (laughs) So, here's the thing. We've learned. Pee on them. (laughs) It puts it out, apparently. Yep. Like, both cases that they have been peed on, it has put it out. Mm -hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean that the person that got peed on was thrilled. But, I don't know. To me, I would think that, like... If somebody, even if they just, like, peed on me, which is not what I would ever want to happen, but if they did that to, like, save my life, I would be like, okay, that's disgusting, but, like, also thanks for making me still alive. Yeah, you know, like, exactly. You know, like, okay, uh, you know, like, what? I, mm, I don't know if I would beat him to death with a candlestick afterwards, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for saving my life, homie. You know, like... I don't know, but, I mean, he was intoxicated, so there's that. Yeah, maybe he didn't know what was going on, that he was on fire. And somebody was just peeing on him, and he's like, what the hell? Yeah, and, like, other people didn't see the fire, and were like, oh, that guy's just peeing on that guy. Well, it sounds like he, like, got peed on. Like, you know, the, the guy ran over, peed on him, nobody else really saw it, and then the guy that got peed on was then pissed <laughs> wow <laughs> i'm really proud of myself <laughs> and then went and grabbed the fellow villagers and was like he peed on me <laughs> and then they beat him to death yeah seems okay. a little extravagant for just peeing on somebody but whatever yeah maybe well. it was like a high insult of the times i don't know <laughs> Uh, but anyways. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> what was your idiot or ass butt moment from this week? Okay, so the other day, um, Eric and I went to pick Killian up from school. And um, it was really rainy, like really rainy. And so I just stayed in the car. <laughs> I was like, Eric, you go down to the classroom. <laughs> like, here you go, yeah. Yeah, so he gets out of his... Um, his um, driver's side door. Mm-hmm. As soon as he opens the door, I hear this man yelling. Um, and it sounds like like propaganda type like pattern. Like he's pissed about something and chanting about it. Yeah, it just sounded, it sounded like, and I was like, and you know, and then Eric closed the door as soon as he got out because it was raining, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, yeah. and then I, I didn't hear the noise anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric goes to the trunk and takes out an umbrella mm-hmm. and then starts to walk away behind me towards the school. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> right? like, so, what's happening? So <laughs> I open my door and I yell at him like, Eric, like, come back here. Mm-hmm. So he comes back. And I just have the door kind of, like, it's not open very wide because it's Mm -hmm. really raining. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and I can hear the guy yelling, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, what is that? Is that the, like, is that the fucking, like, school, like, PA system? Like, Like, what's going on? What is happening? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Eric says, "Um, that's a man. He's right here. Close your door and Mm. lock it right now. Yeah. And then he shoved my door closed and started walking away towards Mm -hmm. the school nonchalantly. Mm -hmm. Just like, hmm. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. And I'm like, 
what? Yeah. Don't let me here! I know. I was like, I was like, I was like, lock the door, lock the door. And then the guy is there, mm-hmm. right next to my car. Yeah. And um, he's he's in his early twenties. Maybe he's homeless. He's carrying a couple bags. He doesn't look like he's like he's he's not well dressed, but he doesn't look homeless. You yeah. know what I mean? And I am like up on the window with my hands on the door, like face pressed against the glass <laughs> staring at him and he's like two feet away from me you know like i'm like, watching you like he knows he, he knows I, or he knew i was there like mm-hmm. like he saw me close the door and everything you yeah. know what i mean so um and he like doesn't look at me mm-hmm. um he looks really embarrassed in fact he's like i was just caught <laughs> his mouth is moving yeah. um i can't hear him yeah. But his mouth is moving. Mm-hmm. He goes, so the cars that, like, are parked in a line. Mm-hmm. So he, like, walks past the car di- that's directly behind me mm-hmm. and then crosses behind it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, shit, I can't see him. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Where is he? Is he under the car? Is he yeah. going to pop up? Like, <laughs> Pretty sure if he was under the car, that would be worse for him than worse for you. Yeah, but I was just, like, super paranoid at this point. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm like, he's following Eric. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was just like, crap. And then I didn't see him again. So I sat in the car, just like, you know, nervously looking out of every single window. Yeah. You know, for like five minutes. And then I call Eric. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he he got out of the car like maybe 10 minutes before Killian gets released from school. So, mm-hmm. um, so I call him and he picks up and I'm like... What is happening? <laughs> Help. Yeah. yeah. I was like, did, are you okay? Yeah. Like, did he follow you? And he's like, no, he went down. Um, it, like the, there's like a chain link fence on the outside of the school grounds. Mm-hmm. And if you walk past the entrance into the school grounds, mm-hmm. there's like a trail between the fence and the house next to it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think it goes down to like Home Depot, Yeah. you know, yeah. so it goes just down to a little like shopping area. I don't, mm-hmm. I think it takes a while to get there, mm-hmm. but anyway, um, yeah. Eric said he went down this trail, so I was like, oh, thank God. You yeah. Know, okay, great. <laughs> He's not under the car. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I was just like, ah. Um, and so um, they get, you know, Killian and Eric get in the car after a while, and we go home, and um, I we go to, Killian and I go to his karate class later that evening, and I'm talking with um, another mom who picks up her kid, you know, at the same classroom and mm-hmm. all that. Um, <clears throat> and... She said um, that her husband um, had picked up the kids that day, and he was he. She started talking about this crazy guy that he saw, mm-hmm. and I was thinking before hmm, before this conversation, the same person, yeah, you know? but before I had this conversation with her, I was thinking like, you know, that guy looked really embarrassed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe he has Tourette's yeah. or something like that. You yeah, know, something out of his control. But he's, yeah. but he's not crazy. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Or mm-hmm. you know, so uh, you know, uns. Unsettling for somebody who doesn't know what's going on, but not like yeah, dangerous know. or anything. You right, know? right. So yeah. that, that's where I was at that point. Like maybe this guy had Tourette's and I was just freaking out and I feel kind of like an asshole about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but so when I was talking to her, she said her husband um, was like, um, saw this man on that trail mm-hmm. when he was bringing the kids back to the car mm-hmm. and he had his pants down. Oh, great. And was still screaming. Oh, 
Yeah. 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 Maybe not. <laughs> so I was like, not Tourette's then. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't see that. <laughs> I'm glad Killian didn't see that. Yes. I'm yeah. like, but just like pulling your pants down next to an elementary school seems like a bad choice. <laughs> I know. Well, I don't know if his like underwear was down too. She oh. just said pants. Yeah. So I feel like she would have been like, you know. He was butt naked if he yeah, was, you know? Right, like, right. yeah. So, and I don't know, like, at that, like, if it was me, like, I probably would have called the cops. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah, I mean, elementary school. Like, yeah. Your like, pants are down. Like, let's not do That's that. That's what cops are for. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Let's call somebody. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if he did that or anything. I can't remember the rest of the conversation, but. Yeah. But crazy guy. Now, every time we go to, I like, go to school, mm-hmm. I'm, like, looking around for him. Oh, yeah. So. I would, too. I'd be like, mm, he, he, this is where he hangs, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Really creepy. Yeah. Nope. Not me. Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> So, anyways, that guy was an ass butt. Yes. And had his ass butt out. <laughs> Thinly covered, maybe, but still ass butt. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it was really raining. Why would you take clothes off? Because like, he is not mentally stable. Uh, More than likely. I'm going to get my underwear wet. <laughs> I know, like, that seems like an awful choice. Yeah. I mean, if he's been out in the rain for long enough, his underwear might already be wet, in which case it wouldn't matter, but still. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, anyway. Because that's Washington, folks. <laughs> if you ever thought about moving here, don't. <laughs> it's wet. You will have rain nine months out of the year, and mm-hmm. it will be awful. Yep. So... Anyway. <laughs> so what was your idiot or aspen moment? Uh, okay, so I went to Idaho to go and visit my friend. Um, oh, this was a few weeks ago now um, because I wrote it down a long time ago. Because uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of idiot and aspen moments, people. <laughs> I can't okay. be controlled. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but anyways, so we we got there. And we went out to dinner and all that sort of stuff. And her sister-in-law was like, hey, do you, like, let's all have drinks or whatever. And we're like, okay, you know. So she gets a couple of drinks. And I'm like, eh, okay. And, like, buys a round of shots for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, fine, you know. Then she's like, do you guys still want to go out? And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? You know, like, let's, we didn't have any other plans for hanging out. So let's go, you know, we went out to a bar that had, like, the little dart games on it. So we played, like, the electronic darts for a while. And she just kept bringing all sorts of, like, she would just disappear and then, like, bring back alcohol. (laughs) That's nice. Well, yes, but also, like, at a certain point, you're kind of like, okay, but, like, too much you know yeah (laughs) it's too much you know and so then we went to another bar afterwards which the only thing I had there was a cider right Mm -hmm. so throughout the night I was having tequila shots I'd had a cider earlier and a drink that had tequila in it so I was pretty much just staying with tequila so I was doing fine you know like I wasn't necessarily like drunk at any point during the night okay but We, you know, the cider apparently at the end of the night was too much. I went to bed that night. Like, we we crashed, right? Mm -hmm. And it was, like, 2 in the morning. So, I'm like, okay. At, like, 4 in the morning, my stomach is, like, audibly just... (laughs) And my friend is like, are you okay? (laughs) 
I'm like, I don't know. You know, like, I don't know. Because the thing is, it's like I was never drunk enough to, like, be hungover, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm kind of like, okay, in the middle of the night, my stomach is just like, I don't know if it's going to stay down. I don't know if it's going to come in, go, or, like, come up, go down. I don't yeah, know what's going on. Right. And they're like, oh, God, this is the worst, you know? And I'm, like, eating Tums, you know, going, hopefully yeah. this puts it out, you know? And yeah, and like I woke up the next morning, my friend's like, oh, we've got an exercise class to go to at 930. I'm like, you can go by your damn self because (laughs) I am not going to make it. You know, like if I try and bend over right now, there will be vomit, you know, (laughs) like I can't. And the thing, and I know that it was the cider that did it because I kept burping and it was cider. I get the cider burps, you know, Mm -hmm. even though I'd been drinking tequila for a long time that night. The only thing that was coming up was the cider. And I was like, okay. And so I was a big old ass butt for just, no, I was a big old idiot for <laughs> keep drinking, for just like drinking the drinks that were brought to me. Like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to drink them. But when somebody else buys them for you, it's like, okay, well, like, I better drink it, you mm-hmm. know? And <laughs> yeah. So that that kind of like wrecked. I was only there from like a Friday to a Monday, I think, or no, a Friday to a Sunday, and uh, yeah, Saturday was <laughs> Saturday was rough <laughs> through the first half of the day, and then I was fine. But then for like a week or two afterwards, I would randomly just kind of be like, huh, you know, like, <laughs> every once in a while, like. Oh, God. And my stomach would, like, churn for, like, a few seconds, and then it would be fine. And I'm like, what? You know, like, is it still hanging out in there? Like, two weeks. This lasted for, like, two or three weeks. I'm not even joking you. Every few days, I'd just get a little, you know, and I'm like, That's what is weird. going on? Totally fine now. Huh. But it was just like, okay. I don't know what happened, but I was a big old idiot for drinking all that stuff <laughs> all at once. Turns out... Now I know for Vegas, I cannot drink my, or I cannot uh, mix my liquors. No, you <laughs> Or mix it. my drinks at any, you know, of any variety, which yeah. I have never had a problem with before, but apparently now I'm old as shit. <laughs> and I can't do it anymore. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that was, I was an idiot. That's okay. Everyone's, I did it to myself. everyone's done that. Yeah. Everyone. It just surprised me, though, because I was never really, like, drunk. Like, buzzed, for sure. Like, I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. wanted to drive, but I was never, like, drunk. Yeah. So I'm like, how could I be this, like, erpy? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Anyway, but that was an experience. (laughs) Well, it sounds like it was fun. It was still fun. Yeah, no, it was a really fun night. Um... We, it was nice just being able to, like, hang out and not have to deal with all, like, mandates and all the different things, you know. It was just fun to kind of go back to normal a little bit. So, um, I, I, I regret the alcohol, though. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Like, maybe I could have had just one cider less and been okay, but mm-hmm. anyway, so. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to us and our shenanigans. You can email us at idgitsandaspetspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Idgits and Aspets, a supernatural podcast. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and send us your Idgit and Aspet moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.